pray for yourself. Pray that God will keep you alert, keep you awake, and God's Spirit will speak to you. And pray for me too. Let us pray together. Lord, it is such a pleasure, privilege to come before your presence to, to worship you, Lord, to be in your presence with brothers and sisters and then to, to learn from you. May you speak to us today, keep us alert. May you speak through me and through your words, Father, today. I believe there is a message for all of us here and I pray that we will have the faith and obedience to respond to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last two weeks, we talked about um, maturity, how to grow. And then, by the way, uh, this Sunday is supposed to be mission, but because of certain adjustment, mission Sundays will be next week. This Sunday, we're going to talk about another M, another value, missions of our church, that is membership. I wonder what comes to your mind when you hear about such a word called membership. Huh? Membership, you think about credit card membership, club membership, society membership. But what comes to your mind when we talk about membership in our church here? Is it refer to your name in our church uh, PPH registry? Or is it refer to your name in the church directory? By the way, uh, those of you who are named not in the church directory, you can put your name in the church directory, okay? The next round. One round over already. And then, uh, does it mean to be a regular attendance? Does the Bible talk about membership? Is it a secular or organizational concept that we are importing into the church? Or some of you may be attending the church for some time. Say, why talk about this basic stuff? Can we go to someone, something more meaty? What relevance do I have? It's only for newcomers or visitors. Well, I want to assure you, the Bible has a lot to say about membership. It is not my idea. Neither is it uh, Pastor Kokfai's idea. It's rather God's idea. Let me just briefly mention two passages in the Bible. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So now you Gentiles, in other words, non-Jews, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's people. You are members of God's family. And in Romans 12, just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. What is membership? It is a sense of belonging, sense of ownership, sense of commitment to the family of God, expressed in a particular local body of Christ, which is PPH, one of them. You see, when you and I will become a Christians, you are part of a universal body of Christ. Regardless of your locations, regardless of your race, you are part of this universal body of Christ. However, the local church, which is PPH, one of them, is an expression of this universal church. Part of what it means to belong to the body of Christ is to belong to a particular local body. That's the idea of membership. It is God's plan for His people. It's a very nice term called family. Family. When people are connected, they feel belong, they feel committed to each other. That is membership. 
if you look at the New Testament, there is no Christians that are not accountable to a members of a local body. There's no such thing as lone rangers, one-person Christians. It's a contradiction because when you are united with Christ, you're in union with Christ, you will express itself in union with the local body of believers. That is why membership is so important and today we want to ponder this. But when you talk about membership, there is, there is this thing called a shift, a shift in the, on the heart level. Heart level. A shift from that church to this church to my church. You see the community outside, the neighborhood, the community outside, they talk about that church. The crowd within talk about this church. But the congregation talks about my church. You see the difference here? You see the difference? Let me give you an example from my, uh, my personal life. Today I'll be giving a lot of my personal example here. Uh, those of you who are married, you can identify with me. Those of you who are not married, by faith, you will probably understand this. <laughs> but those of you who are just married or about to get married, uh, you can glean some gem here from this. When I first married to um, Karen, technically, her mother, her father, is my mother and my father. Correct? You, you will see the awkward moment when the, when the bridegroom called Pa, Ma, E, feels so strange. You heard that before, right? In a wedding, it feels so strange. But technically, she is my mother. Uh, her mother is my mother. Her father is my father. But at the heart, at emotional level, it is a different story <laughs> at the beginning. Correct? It takes some time to adjust. I remember my first two years, um, I view Karen's mother, Karen's father, as your mother, your father. My mother, my father. I will still go down to the house, but we have some quarrels, some arguments. Why? Because there's this line drawn in the heart level. We talk about how often you spend time with uh, your family. Once a week, eh, a lot. Leh. Once every two weeks, can or not? How many hours? Three hours. That's a lot of time, okay? Three hours, I can do a lot of things. So come on, two hours, can not? We make this kind of uh, childish so-called uh, negotiation. Why? Because they still don't have that particular heart level. And some of you might be uh, en uh, encountering that if you're just married. And then when I talk about her mom, I talk about her dad, she got very defensive. And when she talk about my mom, she talk about my dad, I get very defensive. And then we have a lot of quarrels the first two years about this area. Until, I do not know when, but until, I, do not, I think could be the end of first year. I make a mental and evolutionary shift where I make the decisions your mother, my mother, your father, my father. The mental and evolutionary shift caused a change within me in the way I treat her family. Now I don't talk about three hours, I talk about can we spend a bit longer? How about bringing your mom out? How about bringing your father out? How about bringing, ministering to your niece, your nephew? How about various things? And my attitude changed. Hey, I think your family's fa this fan need repair. I need, can, I, can I offer to make repair? It, actions follow because of the attitude change. It takes time, but there is a conscious shift. And that shift 
help me in my relationship with that family. And it's very helpful. In the same way, uh, before that, before I go to the same way, those of you who are just married or about to get married, the earlier you make the shift, the better for you. Your spouse will love you. Your mother-in-law will love you. Your father-in-law will love you even more. And I'm enjoying some of this privilege now as I make the shift many years ago. In the same way, now come back, apply it to today. Membership. When you become a Christian or you come to this church, technically you are a member in your mind. But until and unless you make a volitional choice in your heart that this is no longer this church, but this is my church, then you will see that change. You will enjoy the benefit. Let me just share with you this simple picture here. All of us stand in some places. When you have not heard about Jesus, uh, PPH, you probably say that church. But when you come to visit, you will say this church. And then after a while, there's a shift. You become my church. And even within my church, there's also uh, a spectrum. You can be my church standing at the fringe or my church closer to the closer and then my church in the closer. Correct. They are different, just like different son-in-law, different sister-in-law, we have different commitment in the family even though they make a change. I'd like to ask these questions. Uh, those of you who are married, huh? what do son-in-law do at the in-law house? Usually three things. I ask around and I do these three things. Eat, sleep, read newspaper. Correct? And I thank God there is such a thing called smartphone. <laughs> Not everything. We can just do these three, four basic things. And you can be a good son-in-law. I don't know what daughter-in-laws do, okay? What daughter-in-laws do? Maybe you can help me wash dishes. <laughs> Cannot sleep because must work. Serve or be served. I think do more serving. Uh, do a, I don't know. That would be a different topic altogether. <laughs> I'll ask Karen to come and speak. No, but not me. Or you can say, I can do these four things, but I want to do more. I can be doing more. So within that, my church, there is this particular spectrum here. Today, I will encourage you to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you so that you can make the necessary shift from the right to the left. Yes. From the left to the right. Sorry, sorry. The <laughs> From the left to the right. This is how God draws His people in. This is how God wants to let His blessings flow. Let me just briefly talk about some biblical basis more on the church membership. What does the Bible say about church membership? Church membership, though not specifically commanded, but it is explicitly implied, implied that each of us are to be a body of a local, uh, uh, each of us to be a member of a local body of believers. First of all, the metaphor of the body. Just as 1 Corinthians 12, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. There is a unity, organic relationship implied in the imagery of a body. There is something unnatural about Christians who attach themselves to a body of believer and yet not being a member of that body. Therefore, we should find our place in the organic whole of the body as a member 
of a local church. And then there's this command that the elders or the leaders are supposed to shepherd the flock. Paul had this to say to the Ephesus uh, elders before he left Ephesus. He said, keep watch over yourself and all the flocks. Be shepherd of God, the church of God. So if there is no local body, these people shepherd who? The whole universal church of God. Impossible. They have to be a local church that they can be responsible for, they can care. And then we are, also there's this command in the Bible to talk about be submissive to the leaders. In um, Hebrew 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders, submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as one who give an account. Obey them so that their work may be of joy, not a burden, for there will be no advantage to you. The point is that membership to a local body is that they have to be a local body so that members can submit to the leaders. The second point, the leaders need to care. The third point, the members need to submit. Unless there is a local body, if not, then there will be uh, not difficult for such a thing called submission to a body of, uh, of a local church as well as to the leaders. So these are three implied. There are many more. I just want to pick up three. And I also want to talk about the privileges and responsibility of being a member. First of all, there is this sense of belonging. You and I, we are human beings. We need to be connected. We, there is a desire to belong. There is a desire to belong. Correct? No? Imagine you hear from your friends, everybody asks somebody out for a barbecue, and then you discover it, your name is not there. You're invited, you're invited, you're invited, you're invited. How come I'm not invited? <laughs> you don't like that. You want to belong. And when you are part of the family of God, a local body, you belong. You find, you find you're needed. There's a sense of ownership that you have a stake here. This is a wonderful blessing that can be taken for granted. Okay, when you go to another church, particularly if you go overseas, you go and visit a church, they might have a great time of worship good powerful message you come up minister but after a while I did speak to people who are overseas they say something is missing what is it? I feel like a stranger there I don't feel belong when you are part of the body of Christ there is this sense of belonging and I am glad that I have this opportunity here uh, let me just share briefly my history I come from a great town called Patapahat in Johor I love this place. Ah. And I'm going back. Chinese year coming back. I came to Singapore at the age of 18. Uh, that was 1984. <clears throat> 29 years ago. Yes, 29 years ago. Looking for a church. And then I'm so glad that my, my sister knew uh, David Yen. David Yen, one of the worship leaders at the first service. And then uh, he just started work. And he met me at Bukit Merah Interchange. And he brought me to PPH. That was my first exposure to this church. It was that church and then become this church. And then I was uh, um, privileged enough, Chui Peng, the worship leader, he was then a new cell group leader. He just got a house, not married to Catherine yet. <laughs> She's very young. And he invited me to join the CG. And I joined the CG. And I feel that, hey, this is the place that I can feel belong. 
I'm needed. When I need people to call, they are someone to call. There's a sense of belonging. And from there starts my journey into this family of God called PPH. I will share more later. And then it's another responsibility as well as privilege. Is this a blessing one another? Do you know the New Testament, the word one another and each other appears how many times? 50 times. 50 times. We are, let me read to you some. We are commanded to love each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burden, forgive each other, sing to each other, submit to each other, devoted to each other. Don't worry, I'm not going to say 50 times. I don't have the breath. But these are all the verbs that we can be doing to each other. These command, commands are what membership in the local body is all about. And they are both privileges as well as responsibility. Beside your immediate family, there is another family of God. And it's not just about receiving. It's also about giving. You feel belong and you minister to each other. Do you know that to love and to be loved is such a blessing? A great, a popular psychiatrist, he said this, to love and to be loved is to feel the sunshine from both sides. Okay, this one is written in a, in a cold country, okay? In Singapore, <laughs> in Singapore, you want shades on the both sides. You don't want sun on both sides, right? But those of you who went to, been to a cold country in winter, I think Yop here, he stay, he's from, uh, Yop is from um, Bangladesh. They have winter there. And if you're in winter, you want suns on both sides, front, back, everywhere you want the sun. You want to be soaked. And to have this opportunity to love and to be loved is having that kind of pleasure, that kind of joy. And, and God has given me this privilege in this church here. I remember uh, after joining the cell group with Chipping um, for two years, then I realized that, hey, I can do something. And I need to do something about this family. So I, I joined a, a younger group. I joined a young adult then. It's called the Bible Sessions. Uh, and then it was a smaller group of people where I can encourage each other, pray and serve each other. Then I heard of this thing called prayer meeting. By the way, you ever heard about this event called prayer meeting? We have prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Wednesday night. It has been on for many, many years. More than 30 years it has been on. And, and I heard about that. Before that, I never hear about this word called prayer meeting. I think then I realized, hey, this is a meeting that I can go. I can bless others through prayer. So I begin to attend the weekly prayer meeting. And then thank the Lord, um, Kevin, very nice. He said, Chiming, would you like to serve as a musician? Okay? So at first I served as a, as a guitar, guitarist. Then uh, I like uh, some rhythm, so I go and try drums. And then he said, would you like to lead uh, worship? And then I can help to lead others in worship. And then there's such a thing called events. There's events, they need helpers, they need committee to lighten the load of the leaders and was invited to, to help out. And as any young people, and those of you who are young, you understand, the first thing normally got involved as young people is what? Physical arrangement, logistics. Correct? Oh, we always cannot that one. And last time we don't have cleaners. By the way, what a privilege now we have cleaners. Don't have cleaners. Anytime after an event, guess who? The youth or the young adults or the BB boys <laughs> stay back, 
we will mop the floor, sweep the floor, clear all the chairs, and then we will do everything. Every time there's a wedding, <laughs> but now, no need to thank God for this. But these are the opportunities. And then I realized that I can do more. That's when I can love and teach others. I become a CGL, both in the youth and the young adult. And then, greater responsibility. I can serve, I can lead, given a privilege to, to lead the young adult ministry. And I feel that I'm needed. I can help one another. You too. That's the privilege of being part of the family of God. And that's the joy as well as the responsibility. And next, there's this thing called accountability. Accountability. Most of us, we want to be independent. You, accountable to me. Yes, obey me, report to me. Me, accountable to somebody. <laughs> That's a different story. But there's such a joy of being accountable. Accountable is what? Means responsible for each other. Responsible. There is no society or government or community that can exist without accountable accountability. We need to be accountable to one another so that there's check and balance to help us to achieve what we want to achieve so that we don't go straight to protections. It is a blessing more than a burden. When I become a part of a local church, I'm not saying that I want to be part of the life of this church, but I am saying that I want this church to be a part of my life. And I'm saying that I want to be part of a group of believers to whom I give permissions to influence me Permission to speak into my life, permission to touch me, permissions to lead me. And that's a privilege. And that's how we all grow. So that's a privilege and a, as well as responsibility. And by the way, just now I mentioned about that church, this church, my church, the shift from the left to the right. This process I forgot to mention is called assimilations. Assimilations. I couldn't find a nicer term, but most church growth, uh, church growth books mention the word assimilations. So I was looking at the Bible. Does the Bible have anything to say about assimilations? Then I noticed, uh, don't have explicit, don't, does not explicitly mention, but there are two examples of how somebody transits from being outside the body of Christ to become part of a local body. As well as God used people who helped them in the process of assimilations. Two person helped Paul in the beginning. Ananias and um, Barnabas. So we're going to look at this. If you have the Bible, can you please turn to uh, Acts chapter 9. Let's look at Paul's baptism first. Okay, from here we can learn some principle, both for how to make that shift to be assimilated to a body, as well as how we as a member of this body help others to make that shift, help others to feel belong. Matthew, uh, Matthew, Acts 9 verse 10. In the mess, oh, I need to give you the background, by the way. At that time, Paul's name was not called Paul, he was called Saul. He wasn't a believer yet. He was persecuting the believers because he thought the believers were the cult. Christian, Christians were cults. So he got permission from the religious leader. He wanted to go and persecute these people, put these people into jail. However, the Lord Jesus Christ confronted him, appeared to him in a bright light, 
blinded him, and he was all alone. Okay, and at this moment, verse ten, Damascus. In Damascus, there was a disciple called Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, "Go to the house of Judas, on the straight street. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, whom, who he is for he is praying. In the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests." To arrest all who call on your name, but the Lord said to Ananias, "Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name." Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, "Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me." So that you might see again, you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Okay, let's see. If you look at here, if you look at this passage, God is playing a role here. Paul also has a role to play, and Ananias also. Let's let's examine together. First of all, God confronted Paul. He showed Paul that, "Hello, you go the wrong way. I offers you something better." And he blinded him. And and because he was blinded, Paul on his part he felt there is a need. He was helpless. He needs a helper. He needs to. To think, rethink our theology, that Jesus is really God, not the one that he thought is a cult. And Ananias, he was being attentive. That is why, when uh, when the if it was not mentioned there, but the Lord spoke to him in a vision, implied that he was ready, ready to hear. And then next on God's part, God called Ananias, go and help Paul. And what was Paul doing when when Ananias was there? Verse eleven, he was. Praying, he was praying, and then Ananias' part, he obeyed despite the risk. There was to and fro. They said, "God, how can you ask me to go and help this Saul guy? No way. Where I'll be persecuted." There was, uh, there was a risk, but yet he obeyed, and there was also a lot of inconvenience to him. And God's part later, he assured both Ananias, "This is the right thing to do," and he also preempted. Paul, that somebody called Ananias is going to help you. And what did Paul? What did Paul do? Paul was responsive. When Ananias came, he responded. And Ananias part, Ananias did something very significant the moment he went there. If you look carefully at verse 17, placing his hands on Saul, he called him by name. He showed acceptance by by placing his hand. On Saul, acceptance, and then he remember his name. He called him, call his name. And then later on, Paul, uh, uh, God brought healing through the whole process, to healing on his eyes, 
And then Paul, he obeyed. He realized that it is time to get baptized. Why? Because the next one, Ananias, he was willing to be used as an instrument of healing. And he realized that once you receive Christ, you need to do something. The next step is to what? To get baptized. So he encouraged Paul, please, would you like to get baptized? Say yes. And then he ministered to Paul. He fed Paul. If you look at the last verse there, Paul ate some food. And then Paul sent, spent several days with disciples. As implied there, he got Paul involved with the local church. He introduced Paul to the others. So if you look carefully here, God is working within and without. Paul, a visitor into the local community of believers, he also had a part to play. He felt the need, he was responsive, and he obeyed. And he did certain progressions to be committed to the body. And you look at Ananias. Ananias also did a few things. And this can give us a guideline. See where you are in the spectrum. You know, once you make the shift, you know what to do. And next, look at the story of another part here, Barnabas. Now, I'd like us to look at Barnabas, uh, Barnabas, Acts chapter 9. This is a totally different local body. One was in Damascus. This one was in Jerusalem. Paul went to Jerusalem. Let me read to you verse 26. He came to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him because they were not sure whether this guy is still a persecutor or a real believer. Not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostle. He told them how Saul on his journey had sinned the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Okay, here we see, what did Barnabas do? Again, give us helpful principle. What can we do with one another to help people around us assimilate better, to commit better to this family of God? First of all, he saw a need. So that, hey, this guy Paul, he was alone. He tried to join, but People were afraid of him. He saw a need. He was sensitive. He was alert to the need. And after he saw the need, he took initiative despite the risk. He went, he looked for Paul, and, he, and then what did he do? He introduced Paul to the leaders and to the others in the community. And he spoke positively about Paul. This guy, he did good things. And then Paul stayed with them, showed that Barnabas had showed hospitality. And finally, the next one is another passage. When Saul was in another place, Barnabas wanted to go and preach the gospel and minister to other local believers. So he went, he saw uh, Paul, and said, come, would you like to join me? He got him involved. So this will give us a very good ideas, principles that we can do to help others. God is fully involved in the foreground as well as the background. In the same way also, as I look at my journey into PPH, they were, God used various people. I remember the first one would be David Yen. He invited me to the church. Then Chui Peng welcomed me into the CG. And then later on, the former pastor, Pastor Elvin Ngo, he discipled me in the Bible study group. And others welcomed me. And I remember Kevin asked me, would you like to be part of the worship ministry? Involved me. And then, 
when I went into the mission field, my family, the church sent me. When I come back, they were there at an at a airport to welcome me back. And then recently, Vincent, Edwin, and Kokfai challenged me to become a pastor. And here I am here. And I believe if you look around, there are many people that you too can play a part. When you look at the visitors, I hope that we'll be alert. And when you look at uh, the various body, uh, parts of this body of Christ, you can be concerned. You look at the children's ministry, the cook-up, you feel that, hey, there's a need. Then you're ready to think about helping. When you look at the youth, there's a concern. There's a joy. When you look at the boys' brigade, the, the young adults, the adults, older adults, the sick, the needy, the jobless, there is a concern. Why? Because we are family. Because you are family. And this is what you can do. And I hope that we are a family that will look out for each other. And today, there are various groups of people here that I want you seriously to consider a few challenges that I will be giving to you. First of all, if you are here today, you are not yet a believer. You are not yet part of the body of Christ. You are here invited by your friends or on your own. You are drawn by the presence of God, His love here. And maybe God is creating a need in your life. Let me tell you, Jesus offers you something that nobody else, no other places can or able to offer. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And He gives us hope. He gives us power. Let today be the day of salvation. Today you will call upon the Lord and say, God, come into my life. Responds like Paul. Believe. And then the next step, be baptized. Again, those of you who are not baptized, it is time to take the step of obedience, to be baptized to, as a public declaration of what Christ has done in your life. That's the first group of people. Do not delay. Receive God in the life. The second group of people will be you have been visiting our church. You are a believer. Maybe you received Christ through our church or you walked in or people invited you. This family welcomes you and this family loves for you to be a part. The question for you is, have I made the shift from this church to that church, to my church? And what is holding me back? What is God speaking to you? Is it the time to make that shift? It requires a mental and a volitional decisions. Maybe you're thinking, this church is not perfect. That is why I like this church. It's not perfect. We are real. If you see a perfect church, you'll be too perfect. You'll find it difficult to get in. I like about this church, it's not perfect. Because I am not perfect. I feel belong here. <laughs> and if you are in these positions, I encourage you to look at Paul's example. Hope that you will be praying. And if God is leading, be responsive. If God wants you to, to be baptized, baptize. To be connected, to be trusting, please take the next step. We welcome you to do that. But most of you, most of us will probably be in the third category. That is, you are a member in this church. You feel that this is my church. But within the my church spectrum, where were you in that spectrum? Where were you past? And where are you now? I hope there is a progression from the left to the right. 
so that you enjoy the full blessings and the responsibility that God offers through this family. For the sake of your community life and the community life of this church, I encourage you to make that shift so that you become available to be served and to serve others. Or maybe those of you who are in the members, you grew up in this church. Your family brought you to this church, your parents. The question is, have you made the shift from my parents' church to my church? My parents' church to my church. And I hope they make the shift. But majority of you will probably in the, at a step where, yes, I have made that commitment. This is my church. What can I do? Look at Ananias' examples as well as Barnabas' examples. You can make that shift. How? Being attentive. You can help others make that shift. Being attentive to the people around. There are many people around here who have a particular need. You just need to be aware. Some of them are lonely. Some of them are new. We just need to reach out and to talk to them at break time. I remember there are a few others. When I came, when I first came here, there are a few others who come and talk to me. And those of you who are new, some of you people will talk to you. Those of you who are here but nobody talked to you, I'm sorry. We will, we will try our best to make you feel welcome. That's why we have this lunch fellowship. <laughs> and then next, look at Barnabas, look at Ananias, take the risk, take the initiative. It may involve inconvenience, but there are people around. Some of us, we love our own clique because we grow up in this church. We have our own friends. You see one another. You love your own clique. But there are people who are outside the clique also needs and love your fellowship and your attentions. And I hope that you'll make that shift. I, I remember this incident. Very interesting. Unfortunately, that guy not here. One day, I received a phone call from Pek Chu. I said, Pek Chu told me that somebody called the church but you're not around. He leaved a message. He said, this guy... Uh, he said he wanted to join our church. He visited our website. Please respond to him. So I, I called this guy. And then, uh, and he, before that, he emailed to me. He said that I have went to your website, the young adult website, and then I want to join your young adult group. So I got a bit, a bit curious as well as weary. Suddenly, this guy, why is he coming here for? So I make a phone call. Hello. I said, oh, yes, I've seen your website. And then I, I said, that, where do you stay? I stay in the east. It stay in the east, but we are in the west. Uh, there are many churches in the east. Why you choose it? I say, well, I search, I Google search uh, young adult, and then your 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 young adult ministry website happened to come among the first one. So I decided to come to you. Uh, those of you who do young adult uh, website, thank God for you. You've done a good job. <laughs> and then he, I say, okay, this is where we meet, and then we'll come. First time you come to our church, I introduce you. Then I introduce him to to a few other people but one person stand up that is uh, Joshua Lee I want to highlight him he make effort to welcome him he said let's go out lunch together he have his own lunch plan but he includes this guy and then next moment could you come to our CG yes then again, near Christmas time so we have a lot of makan so come so he came and then he joined our CG and after a while he had been coming to our church regularly unfortunately today not here so if not I cannot welcome him Please, please SMS him and see whether why is he not here. <laughs> no, no, we don't want to stalk him. But because of a few individuals who take the additional effort to meet him, to welcome him, he become a part, he feels at home in this part of this family. And there are many around here. And I hope that beyond your cliques of friends, 
that you make effort to look around. There are people okay, so who, who, who will love your additional handshake, additional concerns. There are people who say, that, hey, this week, not a good week. Then you can say, can I pray for you? You can like um, Ananias, lay your hand, man to man, woman to man, and pray for the other person. And remember their name. Uh, picture will be good at that. Uh, and Joy, I am very poor at remember people's name. Now, now I have to write down. And then be an instrument of healing, visitation. Edwin Choi is one another person, such a busy lawyer, but he will make time when people are sick, so people he knows, he will make time to go and visit. When there's a funeral, he will make time to be there. And then there might be people who feel that I want to get connected. I want to do something. What can I do? Then introduce it to various ministries to serve. I'm very good at that. Not because I always like to arrow, but because I know that when you serve, then it's easier for you to get connected. You enjoy the privilege of serving. If you don't, you can say no, no problem. You don't, you don't have to always say yes to me. You can say no. Huh. And I hope that we'll be a church that will show hospitality, get people involved, introduce members to each other. This is what Family is all about. Remember, church membership is a gift of God's grace. It's a gift of God's grace. Most, more than most of us realize, it is a life-sustaining, faith-strengthening, joy-preserving means of God's grace and mercy to us. To us. And it's such a joy to be part of this family. And those of you who have been baptized in our church here, you will go through this M1 series of lessons. At the end of M1 series, there's this thing called membership covenant. Some of us have been in this church for some time. You may have forgotten this covenant. Okay. But today, I want to bring it up afresh again. So every baptism candidate have to commit to this. And today, I want to bring it up again so that we can reaffirm our commitment. Or if, if this is the first time, you can commit. But if you are not ready, it's okay. Don't feel pressurized. Okay? But you can join us. But if you are ready, I encourage us to make a public affirmations about your commitment to this body of Christ. Let me invite the musicians to come forward. <clears throat> At the same time, I want to just show you this uh, covenant, this commitment that we can read together. Let me read one truth first. And let it, let it give you some time to digest. If you are ready, I invite you to join us. Together, we make a public commitment or recommitment. Let me read to you. Having received Christ as my Lord and Savior and been baptized, I now commit or recommit myself to God and to the members of Pasir Panjang Hill Brethren Church to do the following. I will safeguard the unity of this church by acting in love towards other members by refusing to gossip by following the leaders I will share the responsibility of this church by praying for its growth by inviting people to attend by warmly welcoming those who visit I will serve the ministry of this church by being equipped to serve by developing a servant heart by discovering and using my gifts and talent I will support the testimony of this church 
by attending church faithfully, by living a godly life, by giving regularly, and praying for Chi Ming. No, 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 that's that's additional thing. <laughs> Take some time to digest over this commitment, and I hope that if this expresses the desire of your heart, I invite you to join me. I say publicly, make these declarations, not just in a uh, audibly, but in our heart too. Shall we rise? If this expresses the desire of our heart, I invite you to join me to say it out aloud. Let's do it together. Uh, uh, can you change back the? as my Lord and Savior and being baptized I now commit and recommit myself to God and to members of Pasfa Jangyu Brethren Church to do the following I will safeguard the unity of this church by acting in love towards other members by refusing to gossip by following the leaders I will share the responsibility of this church by praying for its growth by inviting people to attend by warmly welcoming those who visit. I will serve the ministry of this church by being equipped to serve, by developing a servant heart, by discovering and using my gifts and talents. I will support the testimony of this church by attending church faithfully, by living a godly life, by living regularly. Let's end with this song, One Voice.
time to thank God for this family. Yes, we are not perfect. There's still many areas we need to grow. But thank God that we have this family. And ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me today? What kind of shift do I need to make? What kind of things I need to do to help others to make that shift? Make some time within you and the Lord to have these transactions. Those of us who are still new, who do not know you, I pray for them that today they will invite you into their lives to join this body of Christ, to experience your forgiveness. And those who are visitors today, visiting us, I pray that Lord, that your your few will come. They were willing to say this is not just this church, but my church, a place that I can be a part of. And for those of us whom this is our church, I pray that we will safeguard the unity of the church. We will act in love. We will not gossip, but we will follow the leaders. That God, I pray that we were willing to share the responsibility of this church, that we want to pray for its growth. We want to help others to be connected. We want to warmly welcome others. I pray also that God will serve in this church, ready to serve, to be available to use our gift and talent. And we also support, Father, help us testimony of this church, to attend faithfully, to live a godly life, and to to be a good steward in giving. And we thank you. Thank you that God, you love us. And you are our Father. And we are your family. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before we end, go around and hug a few people appropriately. Thank <laughs> you.